Welcome to NFT Heat. We're bringing the top NFT thought leaders straight to you. If there's something you enjoyed on this episode, and we really hope you did, please take a screenshot of the episode and make sure to tag us on Twitter at NFT Heat. We really appreciate your support and you are the only reason we're growing. So to help us, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll then give your review a shout out on a future episode. Welcome to NFT Heat. Whether you're inside the industry or new to the NFT space or an NFT OG, we're going to provide you with the necessary NFT alpha to crush. We'll bring in the top guests and deep dive into how NFTs will transform the metaverse DeFi and social tokens. I'm Justin Shankro, the king of alpha. Well, maybe the prince, I don't know. <laughs> From child actor to Stanford to NFT entrepreneur, I am here with my co-host, John Kraske. He's an executive in the design space, and now he runs an NFT company. And he's in the trenches every day, learning, growing, and seeking alpha. We're two NFT insiders that are going to bring in the top NFT thought leaders to help you learn the emerging trends and opportunities each and every week in 30 minutes or less. So let's get into it. Today's guest is John Radoff, one of the brightest minds in the NFT space. He is the CEO of Beamable, whose mission is to fight for the game maker, helping you socialize, monetize, and scale your game. When he is not behind a computer screen or with his team, you'll probably find him in the kitchen or on top of a mountain or diving beneath the sea. He's married to the woman he first met online and dropped out of college to start a game studio with. Welcome to NFT Heat, John. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> we love that. Thanks for coming. I love that you married the woman that you dropped out of college with and started a game studio with. That is We're still together. Cool. <laughs> oh, congrats. That's the amazing part. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, look, we are going to hop right into a five-question lightning round to provide some alpha to our listeners. John's going to hit you with the first question. John, what is Beamable? It's a platform for building live games. So everybody needs the ability to have like a persistent world under their game. And you don't want to code that yourself. So we make it possible for you to do that. Super cool. Super cool. Why should people care about NFTs, John? Well, I just think it's a huge domain of creativity. It lets creators focus on the art, the creativity without needing all this other stuff around making markets and all the centralized middlemen. And it really just puts creators in direct contact with their community. And I think that's really cool. So, John, what's your favorite blockchain? Oh, boy. Getting me into trouble here. So I, <laughs> I think my favorite personally is just Ethereum 2.0, because I think that you know ultimately we have to solve the problems that are inherent in Ethereum now with the whole proof of work stuff. There's a lot of Ethereum killers out there. I love them too, frankly. But I think it's Ethereum 2.0s to lose. Yep, I agree. They got the network effects now. We'll see whether they continue. All right, hitting you this one, John. Who should we follow on LinkedIn or Twitter, obviously, in addition to you? Who wouldn't want to follow Balaji? He knows all about decentralization. He's into immortality. He's into space exploration, all the stuff I love. Yeah, Balaji's pretty brilliant. Great one to follow. And John, the final question, why did it take you 15 years to graduate Harvard? <laughs> you know, I guess I would have gone longer if they would have let me, but they told me eventually I had to go to grad school if I want to stick around. So listen, after I sold my first startup that I took public and was an amazing journey, 
I just wanted to learn a lot more stuff. So I was interested in neuroscience, cognition, biology, evolution. I got to work with people like George Church and his computational genomics lab. So it was really just a way for me to learn a lot of stuff that I wasn't getting exposed to just as a tech startup person. So it was just a lot of fun. So I don't know. I think the answer is why did it only take me 15 years? <laughs> I had to move on and do other stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I would have never graduated college either if I had the chance. So great, great decision to extend it as long as possible. We got to thank you for that lightning round, John. You absolutely crushed it. Some serious heat, smoking, perfect five out of five. We loved it. All right. So now we're going to get in a little bit more serious questions. First off, how did you get into the NFT space? All right. So I'm going to give a very unconventional answer to this, which is in my first time when I was in college, which I dropped out of after like six weeks to start the game studio with my future wife, I was really into Magic the Gathering. And I think Magic the Gathering was sort of like the proto NFT. So you could trade with each other. You could play with it. You didn't have to ask anybody's permission to sell your card to someone else. And, you know, there was that. And then there's Pokemon later, but I was always into Magic the Gathering. And to me, as people have started to think about the gaming applications of NFTs, I actually go back to Magic the Gathering and just say, you know, look at all the things that they got right. That's going to inform a lot of what you need to now be thinking about in terms of the game market. That's super cool. I used to play Magic the Gathering as well. I'm going to have to pull out my old cards and see if maybe we could trade even now. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you kept your Black Lotus. I sold mine for 200 bucks and after a few years thinking I was a genius for selling it for like 20 times what I bought it for. But now right. it's, I guess, going for, you know, $100,000 sometimes. I know. I wish I had mine. I, I don't even know what happened to it. It's probably in the attic of, you know, my parents' old house somewhere, if that. You, you better go look through it. Yeah. You're you right. Some good stuff up there. Yeah. So, John, what is your advice? To someone new to the NFT space, say you were sitting down with someone's grandma, how would you break down NFTs for granny? <laughs> well, you know, I, the easy part of it is think of it as just like the title system for real estate. Like the title system keeps track of who owns what, but also the provenance behind it. What's the whole chain of ownership over time? And, and it's most basic level. That's all that the NFT system is. But it has something really cool about it that's completely new in the internet technology society, which is the programmability of it. So the really transformational aspect of NFTs is this idea that we've gone from just being able to exchange information with each other, which was the foundation of the internet, the World Wide Web and whatnot, to now because of smart contracts of which NFTs are really just one application of it, you can actually exchange value directly with each other. So it opens up a whole new class of applications. And with NFTs, of course, now we can do games and digital collectibles and generative art and all this cool stuff that people are talking about. Love that. That's the best explanation, the most simplified I've heard so far, John. I love kind of like the real estate title provenance, and then in conjunction with the smart contract. So you heard it here first. That was awesome. Thank you for that explanation. So now what are your favorite sources of NFT alpha? Other podcasts, social media follows, Substack authors, Mirror, where do you get your alpha? Well, I really think it's important to go to the source. Like, I think what's awesome about NFTs is the communities being built around them. Like most stuff 
whether it's a financial product or collectibles and art markets, games, you go through so many different middlemen to participate in those markets. So when you're buying an NFT, more often than not, you're just buying it directly from the creators or the originators. So you got to join those communities. So I really look for active Discord communities and also try to understand the trajectory over time. So, you know, if you're not using Discord yet, get in Discord. Like that's everything for NFTs, for game dev, for a lot of stuff these days. Yeah, I like it. So, John, this, this is where you're going to really bring the NFT heat, I think. How important is gaming to NFTs achieving mass consumer adoption? What other factors besides gaming do you think are also important to achieving mass consumer adoption? Yeah, okay. So, I think games is really the awesome application of it right now. I think there will be lots of other applications of NFTs as well. Earlier this year, I made a couple of predictions about it. One was that we would see a billion-dollar game in NFTs relatively soon. I didn't realize it would be only within six months of that. Now we've got Axie Infinity doing over a billion dollars in transactions. I thought it might take one or two years. It took like six months before that came true. So it should be obvious that just as it almost always is, games leads the way. In fact, when we use this term metaverse, I think of the metaverse really as just like game tech, the game tech stack, game designs informing the whole future of the internet. But that's the application. It's a really awesome application of it because it takes advantage of the programmability and it does stuff that is highly disruptive as well. So you asked me earlier, like, what's neat about NFTs? Well, if you're a game maker, one of the cool things with NFTs is it spares you of a lot of junk that you'd normally have to make. Just take marketplaces, for example, like building market economies and markets to exchange assets with each other is a big pain in the butt. Like you'd have a whole bunch of people on your team just building that part. So to me, the heart of any disruptive technology is when you open it up and make it far more accessible to market participants for more developers, for more businesses to take part. And that's what's awesome. So we're going to see a lot more games. I think we'll see games with you know, more production values to them, really cool designs. And there's a lot of really neat projects underway. Awesome. I'm excited to see what you guys are going to build in the gaming world and all the the PDE that's coming down the pike. I mean, as you mentioned, you thought maybe one to two or three years for Axie and here we go, six months. I mean, the NFT space is lightning fast, right? It's like you got to be seeing it every day. It's changing. And who are some of the your favorite thought leaders in the space? Who do you kind of look to to you know, get your alpha and information from some of the, you know, the top head honchos, <laughs> even though we're early. Yeah. Are we, are we talking about specific projects that I like to follow or are we? Yeah. I yeah. mean, are there, are there certain kind of thought leaders on Twitter or discord or certain communities, certain NFT projects that you think maybe could become blue chip that aren't yet? Or, you know, who do you, I mean, I know you talked about Bology who's brilliant. I mean, by the way, one of the Balaji podcasts I just listened to with Tim Ferriss, which is, I know it's about three and a half hours. It's sensational. It's definitely some heat and some alpha right there. A couple car rides to uh, get through, but it's awesome. <laughs> so like a Balaji or, you know, maybe more specific to just NFTs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that I look for things that utilize the unique attributes of NFTs. So I think there's a lot of 
noise out there. There's a lot of projects trying to get attention. There's a lot of people just spamming Twitter with lots of stuff. So I do think it's important to try to cut away down to the heart of like what's important. I think there's some really interesting investors in the space. Of course, Bology, Richard Kim over at Galaxy, I think has done a lot of interesting stuff around generative art. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. He's got a good series of blog posts on it. But what I'm really looking for when I try to wrap my head around the various projects out there, and and we can start broader than games, I think first I want to see someone who's really taking advantage of the unique attributes of NFTs. Is it doing something more than it's just a virtual good or a static piece of content? How is it using provenance? How is it using programmability? So, you know, broadly speaking, like I think stuff that's trying to incorporate more branding, more storytelling into it. One that I think is really cool in just the generative art space is Oni. I guess it's spelled zero N one Oni is a pretty cool one because they're trying to really create an IP around it more than just sort of the generative art design. The generative technology itself is really cool. Like looking at sites like artblocks.io is a really great place just to surface new creators and whatnot is another place people can look at. I think, you know, narrowing in then, you know, another prediction I made other than billion dollar NFT based games was that there would be this idea of a what I call the digital collectibles first gaming company where someone would make the content for a game, the collectible components, and then just give it to the community to say, you guys build the game on top of it. So Loot Project, really interesting example of that. I think there's sort of some underlying technical issues with it that make it hard to use in a game that no doubt people will just figure out how to overcome. But the core idea, which is we're going to spawn like this Diablo style loot for people and then let the community figure out how to create gameplay on top of it. Really compelling idea that I think we'll see more of that. The same creator created Soup Drive, which is this idea of creating games that have unique attributes that are only accessible to the owner of the NFTs. That's a really cool application of NFTs. And then you can go to the actual games. So I think one thing that I worry about when I look at all the, at kind of the gold rush for games is there's frankly a lot of junk getting made. So you have to, I think, increasingly look towards games that are going to have those great visuals, solid gameplay, really amazing world building. I think we're going to see more and more games rising to the top only when they're just great games at their core. Like I think we're rapidly getting past the stage of NFT-based games where it's fine to just throw out an idea and it's sort of junk and you kind of see if it sticks. Like People are really looking for that. A couple that I personally have bought some token in and and NFTs. So Star Atlas, I think looks really cool. That's built on Solana, which is also another blockchain that I think is interesting for this market other than ETH 2.0. Illuvium, which is a character battler. Again, they're going for good, strong core game mechanics, good visuals. So I'm, I'm looking more and more for that now. And at Beamable, where we're helping people create games on this, we're really telling people the same thing. Like the market's moving past just throw out stuff in a Discord channel and people are going to start lining up. You got to actually bring good storytelling, good game making to it. And that's sort of where we get involved is providing that foundation where they can focus on that. Oh, that's so cool. That's really cool, John. Thank you. Yeah. 
I mean, you just touched on this a little bit, John, but beyond apes, punks, and penguins, where do you think the big opportunities are in the NFT space? I'm thinking like, you know, in finance and in, in manufacturing. Yeah, well, I mean, NFTs can be used for everything, right? Like literally that first example I gave, which was real estate, like someday you might sell your house as an NFT, right? That blockchain's way better than this mishmash of like deed books down at your town hall that they keep track of, right? Like it's kind of a joke how archaic that stuff is. I looked at the title record to my house a few months back and like I live in New England. So I could like go back until it was like this cursive script of like some guy from the Mayflower. So I don't know, some ship like the Mayflower. So like we've got this mishmash out there and all these different asset systems for tracking things, whether it's that or like the whole VIN system for automobiles. So any asset that exists can be put on the blockchain and we can reduce a lot of friction in just transferring the stuff to each other. That said, you know, that stuff's kind of boring to me to tell you the truth. Like I really, (laughs) I care about generative art and, and games and all the cool new stuff that has never been done before, not just adding efficiency. Love it. Love it. All right. I'm going to throw an audible towards you, John. You've already given us two huge predictions that you had that have come true. One being there's going to be a billion dollar game, Axie Infinity. You predicted it. Two, somebody's going to create some kind of NFT and let the community build the game. Loot, you predicted it. All right. We want to hear on NFT Heat right now so that our listeners can tell us in six months they heard it here. What is the next billion-dollar NFT concept that you see coming down the pike? I'm not sure exactly how many months, but I think we will see a billion-dollar digital collectibles first. I don't know if it's Loot Project specifically or something like that, but something that's got a really cool collectible at its core, and then the community rallies around it, and they build open-source game clients and actually use that content in a really interesting way. I I think that's a billion-dollar idea that I'm hoping to see someone create. All right. You heard it here first. You heard it here first on NFT Heat. It will come true. That is awesome. Thank you for that. (laughs) And just on the flip side of it, John's going to hit you with a question about some of the challenges and mistakes you've seen. Yeah. I'm just curious, what are some of the big challenges that you see being made in the NFT space and also some of the biggest mistakes? So I'll just focus on game making since you probably have other guests who have ideas across all the whole other spectrum. But In game making, it's really important to understand the design of the game that you're creating. For example, there are games that exist where if you own some big fat NFT, really just owning it is enough. It could be a big plot of land or a very valuable character. And then you go and play with it, but there aren't a lot of microtransactions. At the opposite end of the spectrum, you might have a game design that has a little currency drip where you get a little bit at a time or you're constantly getting a few items here and there. So here's the problem with that. So Ethereum isn't very good at dealing with a lot of micro level stuff. I don't want to pay an $80 gas fee every time I get uh, you know, a rat hide off of the, the 10 rats quest that I just completed in a game. That's not going to work. So you really need a blockchain there where it's going to be optimized for microtransactions and be much more energy efficient, ecologically efficient, lower cost. So you've got these blockchains like Polygon and Immutable X, Solana are all 
sort of focusing, I think, on that side of the market, which is really positive because game makers have a choice to go there. If you're just building a game around big, big assets, then you don't have that concern. There is another macro level concern, though, which is just access to liquidity because you, as a game maker, you want to make sure that people can actually buy the stuff you want. And, you know, there's a lot of blockchains out there. And obviously, Ethereum has a massive amount of wealth locked up in it, either with just Ethereum coin itself or in DeFi and whatnot. And that is very attractive to developers. So cross-chain liquidity is something that I think will actually get solved over the, the coming year. You have you know some blockchains like Avalanche and whatnot who've really made a focus of that, that they're doing a good job on it. It's just not quite solved yet. But I think game designers just need to think super carefully about game design, how important are microtransactions relative to access to liquidity on the marketplaces. Ooh, it's a lot to think about. <laughs> wow. I that's mean, that's cool. some serious NFT heat. <laughs> yeah, totally. And all right, 15 years at Harvard, John, I want to hear your kind of breakdown of when you're looking to buy an NFT. Are you just aping in because you like the community or do you have any kind of metrics or matrix that you've got where you're looking at various factors such as floor price, et cetera, to determine if you're going to get into an NFT? Thoughts on that? Yeah, you know what? So I'm probably just a weirdo in this respect, but I don't really ape into anything. I, I'm more of like the fundamentals analysis person. Like I'll go check out the game and I'm like, is this a serious game? Does it actually look good? Like, are people going to get excited when they eventually play this game? Then that's interesting to me. And I, and I just think the market's going to get more and more discriminating. Over time, it's not going to be about get something and flip it and you know hope for the greater fool theory carries you to success. I think that games that are successful in this space, when we look back five years from now, they're going to be the games that have really compelling gameplay where you could just see yourself living in those worlds, playing those games for years and years and years. Amazing. Amazing. Super, super cool, John. I mean, we got to thank you for this incredible alpha you dropped on this episode. You brought the heat. We thank you. We appreciate all of your insights. And you guys got to stay tuned because next week we're going to have another NFT thought leader popping in with some serious alpha. In the meantime, get collecting, start learning and keep growing. We're NFT Heat. A huge thank you to two of the creative engines behind this show. First, to LaFlex for the super smooth intro and outro music. What you're hearing is the song Love to You off his 2019 album Flex Appeal. And lastly, a big thank you to Bernardo Rodriguez for the awesome logo for the show. You can check him out on Instagram at Art of Bernardo. Everyone, we just want to give you a massive thank you for listening to NFT Heat. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NFT Heat, and we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Bye.